This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. We have been doing these amazing teachings and meditation on the four square Jesus. We love him so much. He is everything we need. He's everything we will ever want. He's our desire. He's our hope. He's our help. He's our ever-present help in the time of trouble. Jesus is all the world to us. Oh, my heart breaks for those who don't know Jesus. My heart breaks more for those who don't even know him as a savior from sin. You know, the reason man came up with religion and came up with all kinds of priesthoods, rituals, ceremonies, and rules and regulations is to get rid of a sin consciousness. To bring man into a place where he can appropriate the powers of the realm of the spirit without fear, without intimidation, without inferiority. But man has failed woefully. And so man continues to serve God and to serve the elements and to serve the, de- the, the, the dark forces of the earth in fear. When they could have freedom, total freedom when they could have salvation in Christ, when they could have the very nature of God in them, when they could be the righteousness of God in human expression. Christianity offers so much more than religion. Christianity is the life of God being lived out in the experience of man. Christianity is an unconscious living, an unconscious existence in a brand new reality that is superior and superimposed on this reality that we see. A reality more consequential, a reality more powerful, a reality stronger. And so, most people know Jesus as one who will save them from eternal hell. And he is. And that's you, we can never underestimate that. We can never overemphasize that because we're, we'll soon be going home anyways. All of this will, be, will soon burn. All of this wealth will soon burn. This whole planet will soon be engulfed in, in a, an intense fire that will dissolve all the elements. All of this will rust. All of this will be lost. All of this will depreciate. Some of this will be stolen. So our attention really should be on the things that cannot rust, on the things that cannot be lost, on the things that will never be stolen, on the things that will never burn, on the things of a new Jerusalem, new heavenly Jerusalem. But that's not all that he came to do for us. He came to set us free from from the power of sin and the penalty of sin, the presence of sin. He came to heal a, a trillion diseases in the midnight hour. He came to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And he is the one that is coming in the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, even those who mocked him, even those who rejected him. So come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. The first square Jesus is my Jesus. I want you to experience the first square Jesus. There have been men in the body of Christ who have picked and chosen what part of Jesus they want. What a mistake. What a short change. What a tragedy. What a loss. If there is anything in Christ that's available, I want it. Paul says to Philemon, 
He says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by all the good things that Christ did in you. The communication of your faith becomes effectual, effectual by acknowledging all the good things. I want all the good things in Christ. I don't want 90% of them. I want all of them. Every good thing he did in me, every good thing he did for me, he went to the cross for me. He went into the belly of hell for me. He rose from the dead for me. He ascended to the heavens for me. He's seated at the right hand of God right now for me, and he's interceding for me. He lives to intercede for me. I want everything he did for me, he does for me, he will do for me. How about you? And so we began to look at Jesus as healer, Jesus as mender, Jesus as a restorer, Jesus as a renovator, and Jesus as a renewer. I'd like you to know Jesus is not just willing and able and hasn't just made provision for physical bodily healing. Jesus has made provision for a sound mind. Jesus has made a provision for schizophrenia to be healed, for depression to be healed. For suicidal thoughts to be banished, for the power of the spirit of suicide to be broken. Jesus has made provision for a healthy spirit, a healthy soul, a healthy physical body. Jesus has made provision for healthy lungs, healthy hearts, healthy blood, acidity, pH levels, chemical balances, hormonal balances. He's made provision for it all. But will the will of God be done in your life today? Or would you allow the lawbreaker, the devil, to do this? Jesus told the parable that a certain farmer sowed good seed in his, in his farm. You know, a good farmer chooses his grounds, chooses his season, chooses his seeds, chooses his fertilizer. He, he makes choices all through the year. So he gets the best quality seed he can get to get the best quality harvest. So this, this is farmer in Jesus' parable, looked for the best seed and sowed that seed in his good ground, in his best grounds. But he had to go to sleep. He couldn't watch the seed day and night. While he slept, the Bible says an enemy came and sowed tears in that field. And so one day they woke up in the they woke up and went to the farm and there was crops the real crops growing and there were also weeds growing. And that farmer was smarter than most Christians. The farmer didn't say, "Well, it's the will of God for me to have weeds." Mm-mm. He said, "An enemy did this. An enemy did this. So where does sickness and disease come from? An enemy? It's not the will of God." God has no, no sickness in heaven. If sickness were the will of God, Jesus would have been in breach. Because everywhere he found sickness, he drove it away. Everywhere. Every time. Not once did he say no. Not once did he say wait. If sickness was the will of God, heaven would be full of it. If sickness was the will of God, we'll have a sick eternity. But you know, there's no pain there where we're going. There's no sorrow. There's no shame, no regret. There's no fear even. There's no inferiority. There's no confusion. There's no perplexity. There's no regrets. It will be a sickless eternity. Imagine that. If you can have a sickless eternity, at least you can enjoy the healing power of God in the time, in time. And if you can have a sickless eternity, you can tap according to Hebrews chapter 6, you can tap into the powers of the age to come. Just like Jesus, 
like I will show you in future teachings. Jesus paid for our sins by going to the cross, right? So how come he was able to forgive sin before going to the cross? Jesus told several, your sins are forgiven. And he drove the religious people crazy. He hadn't gone to the cross yet, but he could forgive sins. Isaiah chapter 53, which is what was quoted in Matthew 8.17, says he bore our sicknesses and took our diseases. He did that on the cross as well. We'll show you that in the future. But he healed the sick before going to the cross. Because by faith, we are able to tap into things that do not belong to the generation we live in, to the era, to the dispensation we live in. So we can be in time and tap into the powers of eternity to come. I had lived for 21 years at one time without one medication. Well, I had surgery in one surgery in 21 years. But I didn't take any medication except for that surgery for 21 years. I just looked up to the word of God. I looked up to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Have I kept that testimony up until now? No, but I'm going back there by the grace of God. Because that belongs to us, you see. That's our right in Christ. That's our privilege in Christ. That is possible. That is available. I have proven it by experience for 21 years, and I am going back there. I refuse to be on chronic medication. I refuse to be limited in what I can eat and what I cannot eat. Now, I'm not being careless. I'm not being foolish. I'm devoting my time to the Word of God. I'm allowing the Word of God to wash my mind. I'm allowing the Word of God to renew my mind. I spend quality time daily listening to the Word, reading the Word, meditating on the Word, writing about the Word, allowing the Word to totally, completely reprogram my mind so that I can have what is mine in Christ, so that I'm not like Jerusalem, that Jesus wept over and said, if only you knew what God made available to you, but they are now hidden from your eyes. You will never experience them because I came visiting and you didn't know. This message or this series of messages, have the potential to not just get you healed, but to launch you into a lifetime of health. But how do you respond to it? Do you receive it in the simplicity of a child? Or do you allow your theological training to reject it outright? To look for reasons why this cannot be true. This is too good to be true. Well, look in the word of God and bring your reasons. God even said it. Bring me your strong arguments. Bring me your strong reasons and let us debate together. God is not afraid of your questions. He will answer your questions. So, if healing is the will of God, what can we infer because the old, we have never seen God physically, but we've seen Jesus, the express image, the very imprint of God, the imprimatur of God, the mirror image of God, the exact copy, not copy, the exact expression of God. We see him demolish sickness, blindness, lameness, loss of limbs recreating brand new body parts. We see him do that with aplomb, with ease, and with simplicity. If the healing is the will of God, then what do you think sickness is? The will of hell. 
the will of Satan. Remember what I told you, my opinions don't matter. My opinions don't amount to a hill of beans. Neither does yours or do yours. What does the word of God say regarding this? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God is with him. We didn't write that, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't write that. I wasn't around when it was written. Let me read it to you again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who Jesus went about doing good and healing. How many? All that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Several things in that one verse. First of all, Jesus was anointed to do what he did. Second of all, he only did good, no evil. First John chapter 1, verse 5. This is what we have seen. When we look at Christ, speaking, John the Beloved speaking, when we look at Christ, our interactions with him, the things he taught us, the things we learned, the things we saw him do, we have only one conclusion. In God is light, no darkness at all. In God is good, no evil at all. In God is beauty, no ugliness. In God is blessing, no curse. So, God anointed him to do what he did. He went about only doing good. Only doing good. And what was the thrust of this good? Healing all. All who? All that were oppressed of the devil. All that were oppressed of the devil. He healed those who were oppressed of the devil. Those who were oppressed of the devil were sick. So, sickness is a satanic oppression. That is monumental. As a child of God, I feel insulted that Satan tries to oppress me. I feel annoyed that Satan dares oppress me. Because I have been set free, I am seated with Christ far above Satan, far above the God of his world, far above territorial demons in this world. How dare Satan put sickness on me? That's where we need to be. Sickness is an oppression of the devil. If you still doubt me, let me show you something else. In Luke chapter 13, we begin to read, let's read from verse 14. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. This just, this just annoyed these people. Why? Because they were under the power of Satan. Satan is the only one happy when you are sick. Every time Jesus healed, it aggravated them. Just like when somebody brought Jesus that magnificent offering of a alabaster box, it aggravated all the thieves. It aggravated all the embezzlers, like Judas. It aggravated all the disciples. They cannot believe why a preacher needs to have all this money when the poor have no food to eat. And Jesus said, you don't like the poor. You don't care for the poor that much. If you did, you wouldn't have no, you wouldn't have a car yourself. You wouldn't have a home yourself. You wouldn't have a wardrobe. You would have given everything to the poor. Why do you want to give the preacher's stuff to the poor and not your stuff? Well, Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, but me, you don't have always. This has been ordained before the foundations of the world that I needed to be anointed 
And this is the only person in all of history, in all of this city, who's, who picked up that reality in the spirit and anointed me. What is my point? Every time Jesus healed, somebody got aggravated. And he would work through his people, his own children. He would work through them to harass Jesus and to try to stop him from getting people healed. He would do it through the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, this, so the, the synagogue people said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. So Jesus answered them and said, You hypocrite, do not each of you on the Sabbath day lose your ox or your ass and lead them to feed and to be watered? And then it, it drops a bombshell. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan have bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Maybe you are more theologically astute than Jesus. Maybe you are more scientifically aware than Jesus. Maybe you are more medically sophisticated than Jesus. You would have looked at that woman and said, well, she's suffering, she's suffering muscular atrophy or dystrophy, and you have some fancy medical jargon for her condition. Jesus said, Satan bound her for 18 years. God didn't bind her. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's a daughter of the covenant. She had a covenant with the God of Israel. She had a covenant with the God of Moses, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She had a, a covenant with the God of the patriarchs. Yet Satan bound her because until the kingdom of God is enforced, until there's spiritual law enforcement, Satan will break the rules and break the law if he, if we, the church, let him run rampant and get away with it. I would like to know if Satan has a defense for this, this verse. Jesus, let me read it again. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, yea, lo, these 18 years, should she not be loosed, even if it falls on a Sabbath day? Should we delay our freedom just to honor a rule and regulation? Should we? By this time, Jesus was already irritated with them. I'm trying to not use a very strong word. So very, very annoyed to them. Should we leave a whole daughter of Abraham to languish in pain just to observe a rule that was made for man and man not made for the rule? Should we not lose her from her bondage? So she's in bondage. So sickness is the bondage. And that bondage is the strength of Satan. Is something that Satan is behind. Let me read it in the Remedy translation. Then should not this poor lady, a daughter of Abraham, one of God's children, you see, bad things happen to God's children, God's children, who have been bound by Satan for 18 miserable years, should she not be set free of what bound her on the Sabbath day? Let me read it in the Passion Translation. If you do this for animals, it, what's wrong with allowing this beloved, precious, valuable 
or invaluable daughter of Abraham, who has been bound by Satan for 18 long years, should she not be untied? Even if he falls on Sabbath day, should she not be freed? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to stop making excuses. It is time to start leaning on my experience, your experience, or the experience of some wonderful saint of God. It is time to lean in into truth. It is time to lean in into the depths and dimensions of scripture. It is time to lean into all the good things that belong to us in Christ. The daughter of Abraham, the precious daughter of Abraham, has endured 18 long years, 18 miserable years, yet it had always been the will of God for her to be healed. She just didn't know it. That is why Jesus, the first time Jesus began to walk in his ministry, he read from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the opening of prison to the bound, the opening of eyes to the blind, to preach liberty to them that have been bruised by Satan. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me today to declare liberty to you. And so I declare liberty to you in the realm of, the, of your physical health. I declare liberty to you in the realm of your emotional health. I declare liberty to you. If you are listening to me and you are not born again, you are spiritually dead. Not just sick, you are spiritually terminal. I decree liberty to your spirit that today the miracle of salvation will come into your heart. The miracle of salvation will come into your family. The miracle of salvation will come into your home. The person who wants you sick is Satan. Jesus wants you well. That is why in his father's house there is no sickness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, humbly we come. Humbly we come to your feet. Jesus told the Syrophoenician woman, healing is the children's bread. They don't have to beg for it. They don't have to be extra good to have it. They just have to be normal. Father, we want to be normal today. Your normal children. Hallelujah. Satan, you have no right to bind us. So I command leukemia to go right now in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. I command cancers to die. I command schizophrenia to be corrected and healed. I command gout to cease. I command blood pressures to come down to normal. I command sh blood sugar to come down to normal. I command hormonal imbalances to balance. I command chemical imbalances to be balanced. I command the acidity and, and, and in your body to be normalized. In the name of Jesus, enter into the life of divine health. Enter into the fullness of what Jesus purchased for you. Spirit, soul, body. In the name of Jesus. Do not just experience healing in your body. Become an agent of healing yourself. When you lay hands on the sick, they must recover in the name of the Lord Jesus. And if you are not born again, the greatest miracle that can happen to a man is not to be healed of cancer. The greatest miracle is to be healed of 
sin to be healed of a future apart from God. Fall on your knees right now and take Jesus as your insurance policy, as your sure fire policy in this world, in the world to come. It will take you places that no human mind would ever conceive. God love you. I'll see you next week. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.